for Dynamic Deputies. Hello and welcome to the Dynamic Deputies podcast, run by two deputy heads living on opposite sides of the country. Hiya, Steve. Hi, Russell. Great to be talking to you again. And guess what, Russell? Tonight we return to one of our favourite topics, and that is curriculum. We are indeed, Steve. Leika Sharma joins us today and she is currently an expert advisor at the Teacher Development Trust, although that's going to be changing soon. So I'll let Leika say some more about that in a moment. Leika is an experienced primary teacher and leader and author of a terrific book called Curriculum to Classroom. She is also a regular blogger and speaker at educational events. A very warm welcome to the podcast, Leika. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be joining you. Oh, hi, Leica, and thank you for that. And please, could you start, we do this with every guest we have, can you tell us some more about yourself and your career today? And as Russell hinted, we know you've got some exciting new challenges coming up in February, and we'd love to hear about that more if we can. Of course, yeah. So um, I've been a senior leader in primary education for about five years. And prior to that, I was a class teacher and a subject lead in English. And during my time as a senior leader, I developed a real interest in curriculum development and design. So it was kind of the majority of my work as a senior leader was around curriculum. And so I've become a bit of a curriculum fanatic. And it kind of prompted me to write the book, which is Curriculum to Classroom, as you mentioned. And essentially, that's just the story of how we went into a school as a senior leadership team and we designed a curriculum that was bespoke to the school and delivered it and all of the things that went really well and all of the things that didn't go so well and the lessons that we learned from that. So it was a real privilege to kind of be able to pull all of that together. And for the past six months, I've been working with the Teach Development Trust and writing some of their content for the National Professional Qualifications, which has been a really interesting experience, very different to the side of education. I've kind of previously been on so it's been a really valuable experience but as you mentioned really excited because at the end of February I'm going to be joining the John Wallace Academy as the head of their lower school and yeah could not be more excited really thrilled to be getting back into school actually so yeah really exciting times ahead. How exciting and I'm Mm. sure all of that learning from the Teacher Development Trust will benefit that school as you go back into that world so yeah really excited for you. Now, our theme is curriculum today, which you just talked about there and why you're so interested in it. And we've got lots to explore there. But before we do that, I just wanted to pick up on the fact that you're clearly very passionate about evidence-informed practice. Where does that interest come from, Laker, and how does it show up in the work that you do? And I imagine the work you're about to do when you head back into a school. Yeah, so I think initially my interest around evidence-informed practice came from being, you know, a class teacher prior to becoming a senior leader. And it was very much a case of back in the day, you know, I remember thinking, right, I'm just going to give this a go in, in class and see how it goes. I'll try this approach, see how it works. And it was very much trial and error. And then I remember being introduced to this whole world of like the evidence-informed approaches and just thinking this is a really great way to just maximize those best bets to actually make that impact on pupils. So it was less trial and error. It was thinking about, you know, what are the best bets that work in classrooms? How can we give it a go and implement it? And how can this really have that positive impact on my pupils? So I guess the evidence-informed approach kind of really interested me from then. And then it very much shows up in what I do and my interest in curriculum, because I try to, and you know, through the curriculum development work I've done, try to weave those principles into the kind of architecture of the curriculum from the very kind of grassroots piece that top down, looking at how we can actually strategically weave that into curriculum design. 
And so, yeah, I think it's something that really interests me. It's a really exciting time in education, I think, because there's so much educational research out there. So, yeah, it's the best time to kind of be exploring all of that and seeing how we can then use that to make a difference in classrooms. Great. I love that. You're so right. It's the best time to get going on this. So so let's get going on the topic of curriculum ourselves. Uh, Leike, can you pin down for us what curriculum is and what it isn't? And we know you like to focus these on what you refer to as their core purpose with the curriculum. So it'd be great to hear a little bit about that idea too. Yeah, sure. I always like starting kind of any conversation about curriculum by talking about it and what the actual meaning is, because I think it's a really important thing. And I think curriculum means lots of different things to lots of different people. Mm. For me, it's that kind of entire learning journey that you map out for your pupils from the minute they join you to the minute that they leave and encompassing absolutely everything in terms of what you want them to know, what you want them to be able to do, but also all of the experiences they have, you know, the wider goals that you have for them, you know, outside of the educational context. So yeah, I think that's, for me, that very much, that journey very much captures it. What it isn't is kind of just confined to senior leaders, Mm -hmm. just a shiny piece of paper, (laughs) something that looks pretty on paper, but doesn't really translate in classrooms. So very much trying to move away from from that idea. So, yeah, I think it's it's really important to have that understanding of, of what curriculum is. And, you know, very much from the title of the book, Curriculum to Classroom, having those two things really, you know, speaking to one another throughout, I think is really, really important. Brilliant. I love what you said there about it being all encompassing. Something that we've done in the last week in our school is... Uh, inspired by Andrew Percival's behaviour curriculum, which they call the Stanley Road Way. Luckily, my school's called Willowbrook, so the Willowbrook Way just rang off the tongue perfectly. <laughs> um, but that idea of behaviour curriculum, that it's everything that we do as a school and everything we want those children to be, I really like that description. Thank you. Yeah. So we've heard you talk in the past about the concept of the big picture of the curriculum, Lega, and this really fascinated us you refer to what's called the overview effect, which is something that astronauts in space often experience as they gaze down back at Earth. Can you tell us more about this idea and what on earth it's got to do with curriculum design? Yeah, so I'm a bit of a space nerd (laughs) and I love all things kind of to do with space. And yeah, I came across this idea of the overview effect from a really well-known astronaut called Chris Hadfield. And lots of other astronauts have talked about this kind of phenomenon as well. And it's basically the kind of sensation that astronauts get when they're in space looking down on Earth as a whole. And they start talking about this feeling they get of everything being very interconnected, you know, the idea that national boundaries disappear, this kind of holistic view of the whole entire Earth when it's there in front of you. You you stop thinking about all of the tiny detail and you start seeing that big picture. And when I read about the concept, I just thought, oh, this really strikes a chord in terms of curriculum design. And particularly, you know, my experience of curriculum, which has been being on both sides of that. So essentially the backstory for the book was that we designed a, a curriculum bespoke to the school. And then to my head teacher's dismay, as a senior leader, as a deputy, I was like, oh, by the way, can I go into class and actually deliver it <laughs> next year? You know, his full time senior leader out basically in class all day. And he reluctantly but very happily said yes. And It was that being able to see, you know, how that curriculum translated. And so, yeah, that dual approach of the macro level, seeing that big picture, this is, you know, point A and point B, and this is where we want our pupils to get to. But then also recognizing all of the tiny and very important detail that goes into making that happen and being able to switch kind of between the two, which is really tricky, actually, especially 
you know, the realities of working in a school where it is crazy busy and there is always something happening. But being able to take a step back and look at your curriculum and say, oh, what's working and how can we refine it going forward? But at the same time, be able to talk about the detail and let's talk about pedagogy and how we're delivering it. Or let's talk about how pastoral approaches are supporting the delivery of things. So really thinking about the interconnectivity of it. And there's this really awesome lecturer called Human Haruni. He's at the, the Harvard Graduate School of Education. And he talks about how, in terms of purpose, being able to move seamlessly between purpose and task. Mm. And I love that idea, like having this big picture purpose, like this is what we want to achieve with our curriculum, but also being able to do all of the little tasks that contribute to that. So that for me is very much this kind of idea of the overview effect and how it relates to curriculum. I love that answer, Steve. I couldn't help but think back to our time working together as Leica was explaining the overview effect and how we both went from middle to senior leadership at the same time as two assistant heads in the school and how that idea of stepping back really transformed what you could see and the importance of a picture beyond your classroom. Because I don't know about you, Steve, but that's often the thing when you're class-based that you don't really get is how your piece of the puzzle fits in with this other gigantic puzzle of a curriculum design, of behaviour, of everything else. You're not your own little isolated island, but you feel like that sometimes as a teacher, don't you? And when we stepped out of class, Steve, it just completely changed what we were seeing. Yeah, and it can be quite overwhelming because you can easily be quite insular as a teacher because you have 30 children that you take, particularly in a single year group but you haven't got a year partner as well. That is your domain. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, well, you're so right. I'm, I remember when we stepped out of the classroom and was only part-time then, but actually come away from it and just see the bigger picture, the key stage, and then go beyond the key stage into whole school. It was um, exciting, daunting, <laughs> but really encouraging to see how you can piece everything together and it successfully brings about a school ethos, culture and curriculum. Yeah, I have to admit as well, like going into that side of kind of curriculum development and design, I did look back and think, oh my goodness, as a teacher, I had no idea that these were things that were happening outside of my classroom door. And so, yeah, it is quite daunting and you do realise, I think that was definitely a lesson learned for me is that, you know, having that collaborative approach where teachers are involved in these discussions around curriculum and it is Mm. truly collaborative, is just so powerful and can be really powerful. Yeah, I mean, we have curriculum away days and they are so brilliant when you've got the whole, we have the trust come together and that's so powerful in itself when you're working in amongst the schools to look at the connectedness. And that actually takes me on to my next question because uh, obviously building on this idea of the big picture and the small details, we have connectedness running right through it. And you blogged about it not long ago. Now, I know for you, Russell, one of your curriculum drivers is powerful links because you wanted to move away from the tenuous links that are quite common in a lot of primary schools. Mm. Can you tell us more about the ideas of connectedness within the curriculum itself? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think for me, connectedness is is important because it's building on those cognitive principles about how pupils learn. Like we know that in terms of like the development of schema, making those connections strengthens learning. And you're so right, the tenuous links, like we've all seen them, we've all been a part of, you know, we've, we've seen them. But actually having those intentional choices made throughout the curriculum design process, or even in the classroom as a teacher, really intentionally going, oh, I'm going to refer back to this, or I'm going to connect this to some knowledge that, you know, from the history curriculum, I think is really, really powerful for pupil learning. Why wouldn't we take that opportunity to bring it all together for pupils, strengthen learning, strengthen retrieval, 
and give people that opportunity to really deepen their understanding. So I think there's two levels of it. And I think one is at that design level where you're saying, oh, this is actually, this would work really, really well in alignment with this unit in a different subject. And then I think it's those spontaneous moments as a teacher in the classroom where you connect things together, which can inform how, you know, the, how it's taught next year. So I think it's that kind of two pronged approach. I really like what you're saying there, but you made me think of a potential problem or challenge there as well, which is that you said that when you sort of enacted your curriculum, you got into class and you helped deliver that. And I really love that because it's very satisfying seeing your curriculum come to life, isn't it? But I often think there's so much in my head about the way our curriculum links and particularly those kind of obscure diagonal links across subjects over time, you know, so I might know that I don't know, for example, someone like Mary Anning is studied as a historical figure in year one. And then in some PSHE nonfiction text, she's going to come up in year five or something. How did you ensure that your teaching staff knew those links that were so in your head because you had been designing it all? Because that's the bit I find hard sometimes is getting that stuff into everybody else's heads so that they can make those links as part of their everyday teaching. Yeah, I think it's a really tricky challenge that we came across as well. And I think our approach to it was, and this might be controversial, is having a curriculum map that everyone had access to that everyone kind of was able to refer to. And actually drawing out those explicit links and exploring them as a staff, you know, here's a unit in year one and in year three, you might be revisiting an element of this through this particular unit. So actually having those conversations in the first place, which I think was was really important because it gave us the chance to explore that entire journey not just our own kind of corner of it Mm. which I think was important and it became quite a big part of our CPD program just mapping out time carving out the time to say this is where we're going to look at the overarching big picture and where those connections are and how Mm. you know how the the nuts and bolts of the curriculum essentially so it very much kind of fed into the CPD of of our school which I think um, was a was a way around it. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I live and breathe curriculum. You know, I absolutely love this part of my job because until the deputy role that I do now, I'd never been part of curriculum design. So I love this stuff. It really excites me. But the thing that terrifies me, and I'm sure terrifies every curriculum lead out there, is this potential chasm between what we say or think our curriculum does and the reality on the ground Mm -hmm. so I guess what I'm interested in is how do we know how can we be sure that the curriculum we intend is being enacted successfully yeah I think it is truly terrifying (laughs) and it's that moment where you're like oh this is what we say we're doing and you know we're going to a classroom what's going to be there I think the natural reality of it is that there is going to be a gap between what you're intending and what's going to happen on the ground and there's loads of factors influencing that that's the reality of it I think that as curriculum leads our kind of job is to make sure that 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 gap is as as narrow as it can possibly be and so it's about the awareness of what does it look like on the ground and it's really easy isn't it as subject leaders and senior leaders to become disconnected from that so I think it's about staying really close to the ground and knowing what's happening in classrooms and I also think it's about having that wiggle room in your curriculum so that if there are areas that pupils haven't consolidated teachers do feel they've got the space to just pause hit pause on on whatever's next and actually just consolidate things or just revisit something or go back to some prior knowledge because often I think it's just like a race against time and that's what it felt like in the classroom for me that year when I was kind of enacting the curriculum I was like oh my gosh I need to get on to the next unit and oh no I'm, I'm late on this and I'm a week behind on this 
And I just thought, oh, gosh, this must be what teachers are feeling like when they're kind of trying to get, you know, meet these medium term plans, long term plans. And it just needs to have that wiggle room where we can say, look, here's a week or here's some time where we can pause and just go back to something that might not have been so secure for the pupils. So, yeah, just having a bit of flexibility within the curriculum so it's not entirely oversaturated with stuff so that, it, you know, it's not just a bit of a rat race to, to deliver it, assuming that just delivering it means the kids have got it. You know, three years into curriculum design, Steve, the number one job I've got for my next kind of layer of curriculum development is ruthlessly cutting back content mm. for the reason Lake has just described. But doesn't this feel like when we did the podcast with Carl Honoray and yeah. we're talking about going slow and not having that buffet but really digging into what you want to deliver for your children. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And a final question for you, Lee, if we may. Now, Russell mentioned it earlier. When we spoke to Andrew Percival about the curriculum, he talks about the ideas of the curriculum being a piece of work that's just never finished. And it, we've heard you talk about the importance of incremental changes that should continue to happen over time. Can you tell us more about the idea of this and how you can implement that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, wholeheartedly agree with Andrew. I feel like, you know, there's this misconception out there that, oh, you can just be done with it. You know, I've done my curriculum work. It's done. We're, we're finished now. Um, and actually, I don't think that point ever happens. I think it's always a work in progress. And for me, in the book, I talk about a concept called curriculum Kaizen, which is this idea of incremental changes over time. Mm. Um, and it comes from the kind of Japanese philosophy of Kaizen, which is very much about everyone who's delivering that curriculum coming together and kind of feeding back on how the enactment of that curriculum has gone so that you can strengthen it, you know, in little, little bits over time. And it could be something as small as annotating over your medium term plan going, this worked here, this didn't quite work. This was a really great thing that we did. This connect, this was a really great connection. And then coming together and looking at how you deliver it the following year or reviewing your curriculum and just going, all oh, these are the little tweaks that we would make if we did it again. So for me, those little tweaks, I think, and it's it's a really tricky balance because at the same time, you want to maintain the integrity of your curriculum, right? You don't want to be shifting sands every year, something new, here's our new curriculum map. But at the same time, you do want to be able to make those tweaks so you can strengthen it over time. You do want to be able to respond to what's going on in the world and think about whether your curriculum is, is fit for purpose and how it can be stronger. So I think those little tweaks are probably more effective over time than these big drastic changes to curriculum. And I think a lot of that has to come from, like I said, the pedagogy and the how we're teaching it informing that those two things speaking to each other, the, the what we're teaching and the how we're teaching it. And I think the closer that those two things can be, the better our chances are that we can have that impact on our pupils. Seems like incredibly sound advice. Could I squeeze one last question in, Laker? Go for it. Yeah, of course. So one thought that comes to mind for me quite often is, what would I do differently if I was starting again now, three years down the road with all the mistakes I've made? And I've just mentioned there that one thing I'd definitely do or I'm going to do is cut back content. I put mm -hmm. too much in and didn't give that wriggle room for, like you say, special events in the world and We've spoken to people like Sonia Thompson, who's talked about her mm. uh, cultural capital idea of the children coming in and talking about their lives and experience and thinking there's not very much room for that kind of stuff. And there should be. You're about to start a new role. What would you do differently now in light of everything you've learned about curriculum design? Oh, very good question. I think I would definitely be more mindful of the implementation of things having kind of been on the curriculum design side and then gone straight into classroom and been in the same shoes as teachers 
something I definitely realized was that change management process is really challenging for for everyone involved teachers and actually really considering how it's landing for people who are actually on the ground delivering that curriculum is so important and hearing their feedback on how it's going and talking and having that constant dialogue and breaking down the the kind of us and them culture between senior leadership and staff I think is really important because we need to be able to have those open, candid conversations and we need to be able to say to each other, look, that's just not working. It's, it's not working in my classroom. My kids aren't getting it or whatever the conversation may be. So that's definitely something I'm going to be taking forward is keeping that conversation alive, no matter what's going on and keeping it high up on the agenda because it, it's, it's going to make a big difference for our pupils. I think that's excellent advice for anyone that's on that curriculum journey because <laughs> yeah. I only know that I need to ruthlessly cut back content because I've, I have done that. We've had those chats in the corridor where people have gone, oh, it's going to be a real stretch to fit that in and that retrieval practice we're talking about being really important. And yeah. so, yeah, fantastic. Look, we've spoken for half an hour, but I feel like I've got hours worth left from you. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much for giving up some of your time and we wish you all the best in your new role. I feel like you're so yeah. very, very fortunate to have you and uh, everything you've said about the way leadership should work with their team of teachers and staff oh, make me want to work for you. So oh, good luck. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. You're most welcome. The Dynamic Deputy. Mm-hmm.